0: Good Wednesday evening. Hello, and hello, and welcome to week ninety-eight of um, Tim in his living room. <laughs> Jump on a little bit early because I'm never quite sure if when I press go live and it's actually going to go live. So I'm not exactly sure it is now. Wait for my producer to give me the thumbs up after the 92nd lag time. She says, yeah, can you hear me? Well, you can hear me, can anyone else hear me? Okay, Travis is here, very good, thanks. And uh, Jimmy and Renee, very good, great, and Mikey. Okay, well, that's four of us, so, well, there you go. Um, hope you're having a great Wednesday, middle of your week. Here, the first Wednesday of daylight savings time being over, and it seems like it's 10 o'clock, and you know, everybody's already ready for bed, but, uh, but hope you're doing well. I uh, I feel like I should say something about the election, but I don't know what to say, so I'm not going to say anything. Um, Martha says God is in control, and I'll, I'll amen that, and um, I just saw some quote that said if Chick-fil-A were in charge of counting the ballots that had been done 20 hours ago, we all would have a free coupon for nuggets, and everyone would have heard, it's our pleasure. So... Not that I'm making light of it, but uh, I'm trusting God to, to make right of it, I guess. Hey, for those of you who are on time, I mentioned in my announcement for you to be thinking about the most influential people of all time, most influential people of history in history. And um, thanks for posting that, uh, you know, kind of checking in saying, hey, we're here. Good to see uh, Fanny and, and Cindy and um, Carol, I, it turns out I only see about half the people I think that check in because then Martha always tells me other people. But uh, glad that you're here. But be thinking about the most influential people of all time, and I, sh- I should probably say no googling. But if you're going li- to list the two or three most influential people, and I'll I'll say this since it's Wednesday night, take scripture out of it, take all Bible. Uh, individuals out of the equation other than people found in scripture. Who would you say are the two or three most influential people of all time? Think about that for a minute. Um, I, I I, said to googling, but I, I googled it uh, this week. And of course, like everything else, there's a thousand different lists of who the most influential people are. I tried to find one that I thought might be a little bit um, uh, have some merit to it but but who do you think are the most influential people of all time i'll give you my th- three and again taking jesus out of it um i put shakespeare and i didn't google this but I, I, this before I, I thought before i googled um because when i googled i thought oh yeah i should have put him i put shakespeare i put thomas jefferson you know um, and, uh, I put Thomas Edison just cause I like light. Um, did anybody come up with anything yet, Martha? Uh, Dave Vaughn said W.H. Carrier. W.H. Carrier. Is that the, is that, is that the carrier air conditioners? Mark, <laughs> if it is, I'm with you. <laughs> if it's somebody in literature or somebody famous, I didn't know. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Um, Carol Bianche, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Uh, And Ben Carson. Ben Carson, okay. Of all time. MLK, Martin Luther King. Okay, very influential. Uh, Martha's smiling at something. Maybe I shouldn't ask for... uh, uh... I'm still trying to find... uh... Uh-oh, uh, the, producer's the producer's breaking. Whoever invented football. Don Ben Franklin. Ben, Fra- ben Franklin was ben high Gandhi. on the list. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi was pretty high on the list, I found too. Uh, too high, really. Um, Mike Finney put the Beatles. The Beatles. Mike the most influential people of all time, the Beatles. <laughs> but they were influential, i grant you that. Mike you said my mom. <laughs> there you go, Mike, my mom. Yeah, maybe my mom was the most, inf- for a long time, she was Melanie the most influential. Oh, yeah. Melanie, of course, it's she's Melody. way up here. Melody's way up here. You know, we're all down here with the Beatles, and she's Aristotle and uh, um, Archimedes. Confucius. 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 Who said that? Uh, Tyler Ingram. Tyler Ingram. Confucius, very good. Another deep thinker. I, I, I told you, I um I Googled it. Um, actually, Jesus was number one, and he's got to be. Um, but I googled it. Number two on this list that I found that I thought would, had some merit to it was Ben Franklin. I didn't think that Jackie was... Jackie Hudson said Ben Franklin. Okay, Jackie Hudson knows more than, has some better insight then. Um, but yeah, number two was Ben Franklin. Number three was Marie Curie. Uh, Nikola Tes- Tesla uh, was on the list. Um, the Wright brothers were number seven, which I get it, flight. Moses was number eight. So, the Wright brothers are more influential, I guess, than Moses. Um, Number 10 on this list, and this kind of dequalifies it, Walt Disney. Number 10, most influential person ever? I don't think so. Um, Number 55 was Mother Teresa. Number 58 was the Apostle Paul. So, um, yeah, I think the Apostle Paul was number 53 was Tom Hanks, by the way. So, yeah, lots of uh, lots of non biblical people voting on that, I guess. But since this is a Wednesday night, and since you're all tuning in, which by the way, thank you so much for kind of staying with us Wednesday night after Wednesday night. Um, I know that especially with school starting again and and you know, the days short and shorter, and uh, life is really hectic and busy and you've got all kinds of things to do, but uh, so many of you have been really consistent, and it's really encouraging to me, so, so thanks. But I kind of know who my audience is, and I know that number one for all of us has got to be Jesus. And I almost asked, as my icebreaker, who would you like to sit down and have a meal with? Um, because we're going to be talking about a meal tonight. But I didn't, and the reason I didn't was I don't know who I they're 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 different. I don't know that I would want to sit down and have a meal with um, Albert Einstein, who was high on the list. Because what would we talk about? (laughs) You know, um, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. That's all. That's all I know, Albert. You know, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. Uh, Me and uh, Shakespeare, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. I haven't read very many of his books, but. I think if I were to sit down and have a meal with Jesus, I think we'd have lots to talk about. And I don't think I would have to carry the conversation, but I think I would certainly be part of the conversation. And then I read things like Luke 14, which is where we're going to be tonight. Go and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. We're going to be there. We're going to stay there. I read that and then I wonder, would I really like to have a meal with Jesus? But I still think the answer is yes. Um, Tonight, we're gonna take a look at this meal that Jesus is invited to. We're gonna take a look at uh, what he talked about. And we're gonna take a look at the people who were there. I'll tell you right up front, it is a very um, interesting crowd around the table. Um, It's gonna be interesting what they talk about. It's gonna be interesting what they don't talk about, what they say, what they don't say. It's interesting, at least to me, what they do and what they don't do. Everybody there, however, uh, has an agenda at this meal in Luke chapter 14. Um, and before we jump into the text, let me ask you: Have you ever been sitting at a table and an argument broke out? Or if not an argument, at least somebody says something and it gets kind of awkward. And there's a silence and nobody knows exactly what to say. And you're kind of hoping somebody says something or redirects the conversation. Well, that's what's gonna take place in Luke chapter 14. It's a pretty long uh, passage because there's a lot of things that happen in this meal. But a statement's gonna be made and things get a little bit edgy. Things get a little bit awkward. Um, Of course, one of the knocks on Jesus was that he ate with sinners. Remember people uh, accused Jesus of eating with sinners and he did eat with sinners. They were right but he also ate with Pharisees. He ate with people on the other end of the spectrum. Um, not really the exactly, farther down the spectrum really, but uh, he ate with sinners, but he ate with Pharisees. And the other knock on him was, ah, you heal on the Sabbath. You break the law of the Sabbath. Well, he doesn't break the law of the Sabbath, but he does heal on the Sabbath. And we're gonna see him do it again here in Luke chapter 14. Um, And as we read through this text, I want you to kind of imagine if you were the host and this was going on around the table, or even if you weren't the host, if you were just there, some of the things that uh, you would be thinking and and experiencing. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. So Jesus is at a dinner. He's at the dinner hosted by not just a Pharisee, a prominent Pharisee, a very well-known Pharisee. There's some other people at the dinner. Uh, There are some teachers of the law at the dinner. And there's also this guy who is suffering. Uh, The NIV calls it dropsy. You might be reading a version that calls it edema or or swelling. Um, It was a a condition that was obvious. You know, you could tell when someone was suffering from this. It was, still is, um, very painful, Uh, can be very, very serious, uh, obvious at the time. Now, we don't know exactly why this guy was at the meal. I read some commentaries that suggested that he was actually a plant by the Pharisees because it's the Sabbath and Jesus is there and he's healed on the Sabbath before. And some people sort of surmise, well, this guy's a plant because the text says that they were watching Jesus closely. So maybe he's a plant to see what Jesus is going to do. I don't know if he was or not, but um, (coughs) here he is at this meal. Um, And of course, the Jews had all kinds of laws and rules around the Sabbath. God had a few, but of course, then the Jews kept adding more and more and uh, things that, um, you know, kind of added on to what God's intention was. So there's the context. Jesus is at this meal with these Pharisees. One of them, at least, is a prominent Pharisee. Several are experts in the law. Here's a man who's suffering. Jesus heals them. Now, if Jesus was going to be polite to his host or if he was going to be politically correct, maybe he would pretend not to notice the guy who was suffering. You ever done something like that or seen that done? You know, there's everybody kind of ignores it. But Jesus isn't polite in that sense of the word, and he is not politically correct. He does notice the guy, and not only does he notice him, he, he draws everyone's attention to him. Now, he points him out, and then he asks this question, Do you think it'd be okay for me to heal him on the Sabbath? What do you think? Now, it's one thing to have those theoretical spiritual conversations over dessert. It's a little bit different when there's someone standing right there and Jesus is sitting at the table and now we're processing this question. So Jesus asked this question What do you think? Think it's okay for me to heal him? And interestingly, no one says anything. So Jesus touches the man. And he heals them. Um, Again, remember, Jesus is supposed to be intimidated right now. He's being carefully watched. He's surrounded by Pharisees and teachers of the law. In fact, it's kind of ironic that um, the people at the table who claim to know God the best, who claim to be kind of the experts in God, the ones who really understand God, they don't seem to care anything about this man do not seem to care anything about the guy who's suffering. So Jesus touches him. He heals him, which, again, they think is against the law. It's not against the law. Jesus is not violating the law of the Sabbath here, but, but they think that he is. And amazingly, and this really kind of blows my mind, nobody celebrates. Here's this guy who is obviously suffering. Jesus obviously heals him, and nobody's happy about it. And nobody's, you know, hugging them, nobody's congratulating them. For that matter, nobody's fallen to their knees saying, well, you really are the son of God. None of that's taken place. Um, in fact, it appears that no one does anything. And so Jesus does what the host should have done. You know, he kind of dismisses the guy. The guy leaves the room and you're left with a very awkward silence. There's obviously now some tension in the room. There's tension before, but it's just been ratcheted up. You know, the blood pressures are rising and passions are are, uh, getting ignited. Uh, Now, again, if Jesus was being politically correct, he might change the subject. But he's not being politically correct. He doesn't change the subject. In fact, he kind of pushes the subject. Look at verse five. Then he asked them, he just healed this guy on the Sabbath. Then he asked them, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? If you got a child or even an animal, for that matter, falls into a well on the Sabbath, will you not pull him out immediately? And Jesus just sort of lets that question hang in the air for a while. Verse 6, and they had nothing to say. They still have, they have no response. They have nothing to say. And again, think about the scene. You know, tension just keeps rising almost. You can feel the static popping in the room, right? I mean, there's a lot of people thinking around the table here. Um, and of course, the underlying issue here, what Jesus is really getting to, and he's going to get to it a little bit more pointedly, is what's this guy worth to you? This guy I just healed. Does he have any worth to you? Now you'd get your son out of the well. You'd get one of your animals out of the well. How about this guy? What's he worth to you? Maybe somebody whose body doesn't work quite like it should. Maybe who's somebody who's not used to being in you know this kind of company. Maybe who's somebody who's a little bit of an outsider? What's he worth? And Really, it's no surprise that Jesus does this all the time. Uh, read through the Gospels; Jesus is always calling into question our, um, uh, our our grading system and how we see other people. And He's always challenging us to see people differently, to see people like He does. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but Matthew chapter twelve—it's a very similar story. It's a story where Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath in the synagogue. But listen to what he says, uh, what Matthew writes in Matthew 12, verse 11. He said to them, Jesus, if any of you has a sheep and it falls in a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then another time in Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not worth much more than they? Are you not much more valuable than animals? And then in Matthew 10, 29, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from the will of the Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. What's a sparrow worth? Look it up on eBay, not much. And yet Jesus says, God pays attention to the sparrows. You think he's not going to pay attention to you? God knows when a sparrow falls. It seems like God has kind of a running inventory of sparrows. Um, he knows. How about you? Don't you think you're more valuable? Don't you think you're more worthy? And then he kind of says, let me put it in terms that you could understand. The very hairs on your head are numbered. God knows the very number of hairs on your head and no, I am not gonna give you the obligatory bald guy joke, but Jesus is (laughs) choking up getting there. Jesus is just saying, listen, God pays attention. He knows what's going on in your life. Let me ask you a question. Um, You know, we, we joke about it, but you parents, the first time you saw your brand new baby did you count fingers and toes? Sure you did. We we do, right? When you see that little child, it's like, okay, there's 10 fingers, 10 toes. That's a good start. That's good. And from that time on, we we notice our children, right? We notice things about our children. Why? Because we love them. You know, your kid's not gonna come in one afternoon and say, hey, um, I notice you're missing three fingers. Is that something new? Is that old? What's the deal there? No, we notice how many fingers and toes our kids have. That's it's kind of minimal parenting, isn't it? You know, we're setting the bar pretty low. We notice things. Jesus saying, God doesn't just notice fingers and toes. He, he notices hairs on your head. God knows how many hairs are on your head. God mourns every time a hair on your head falls to the ground. Okay, maybe a little joke. But uh, Jesus is trying to get across to the Pharisees. Um, you all claim to love God. And you claim to be able to prove how much you love God by how well you keep the Sabbath. That's your that's your proof of your love for God because you're keeping the Sabbath so well and you're keeping the rules so right. You're missing the whole thing. You, you, your love for you, you, the way you prove that you love God isn't how well you keep the rules. It's how much you have the heart of Jesus. How much you, how much uh, God like uh, spirit you can have. Um, you know Jesus makes it clear. Uh, the guy I just healed. He's a child of God, and, and he belongs. He's worthy of that. Um, you know, these people around the table, they thought they were going to watch Jesus. Turns out that, that Jesus is watching them. They thought they were going to judge Jesus. Turns out that Jesus is judging them. And then it actually, this this very tense uh, meal gets a little bit more tense. It gets a little bit edgier. And the host is no doubt thinking, I hope whoever brings up the next subject is going to bring up a safer subject. Don't want to go too far down this path. Um, Jesus brings up the next subject, and um, it's not a safer subject. Look at verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. Jesus looks around, and he sees the seating chart. And we talked about this before. Um And he says, you know what, let me tell you a story because your seating chart's messed up. Verse eight, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this man your seat. Then humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story that involves this kind of scenario. All you people that are clamoring for the best seats, you know what you should be clamoring for? You ought to be sitting in the kitchen. You got to be humbling yourself. You got to be putting other people first. You know, you, you've got this all backwards. Um, with with the Pharisees, um, and I say the Pharisees, kind of with us, it's all about who has the most worth, who kind of deserves, you know, to be in the place of honor. And, and Jesus is saying, but you know what? You really should know better than that. And so he takes this prominent Pharisee you know to task you know your, your seating charts all messed up and I'm sure this prominent Pharisee is thinking I really hope Jesus doesn't have any more advice for me so Jesus says um, let me give you some more advice verse 12 then he said this to his host when you give a luncheon or dinner do not invite your friends your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors if you do they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And Jesus isn't handing down a commandment here. You know, sometimes Jesus spoke in commandments, but this isn't so much a commandment. You know, he's not saying, he's not saying never invite your family to dinner. You know, some of you have been looking for that verse all your life, right? Some of you are like, "Hey, I've been, I've been there. I'm great on that. That's finally, you know, a verse I can hang on to here." He's not saying that at all. Um, what he's saying is, in the kingdom, we're not going to worry, and we're not going to try to prove just how worthy we are. In the kingdom, we're not always going to be comparing each other. We're not always going to be competitive with each other. In the kingdom, we're not going to do things for people just in the hopes that maybe you know we'll get repaid somehow. Um, it's going to be different in the kingdom. And we all know this story. And we all know what Jesus is saying. But I'm telling you, this is a tough concept for us. It's really, it's a tough concept for me. Because as much as I don't want to be, I find myself comparing people. And and I find myself judging people. and, And I find myself assigning worth. To people, and Jesus would say, "Man, you you got it all wrong." Um, let me ask you a question. In fact, let me ask let me ask you you wives a question. Don't comment on this. Don't don't put your answer in the comments on this. This is this is just a a, a question to, to think about. In fact, don't even answer to your husband this question. But here's my question for the wives. I'm talking to you. Here's my question for the wives. Why did you marry your husband? No comment over here. Why did you marry your husband? Why did you choose him? Because I'm going to guess that he wasn't the best looking guy you've ever met. I'm going to guess he probably wasn't the smartest guy you've ever known. He probably wasn't the funniest guy you've ever been around. Why did you choose your husband? You know, with the exception of Keith, he wasn't the best hunter-gatherer that you'd ever met. With the exception of Travis, he didn't have the best heir that you ever met. You know, why did you choose your husband? And I, I suspect most of you wives would say, I don't know, just because. I just fell in love with him Because. I, I, I think that's what most women would say. Am I close? <laughs> what, what are you saying? Because I was the best looking and the smartest. And the, yeah. <laughs> she's not saying that. But I asked that question to ask this question. Why did God choose you? Why did God choose me? And I asked that question and I don't know the answer to that question. But my best answer is, I don't know, but just because. Because he's God. He just loved me. It's certainly not because I was worthy. It's certainly not because I was better than everybody else. And yet sometimes I think we we either fool ourselves or delude ourselves or, or we just kind of slip into this thought process of, well, there must be something about me that makes me a little bit more worthy than someone else. No. No, God chose us. God loves us just, just because. Because he's God. Um, let's go back to Luke 14. Um, let me get rid of something here. Um Luke 14, Uh, you know, by this time in the meal, there's still stuff going on in the meal. And by this time, everybody's really anxious. Everybody's blood pressure is like off the chart. And then someone says something to, to, I think, kind of distract Jesus or maybe kind of diffuse the situation. Um, Luke 14, 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And that sounds to me like one of those statements that somebody makes when tensions get kind of high and they're going to bring it back down. You know, everybody starts to get a little uh, 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 nervous and everybody says, well, hey, how about the bucks? You know, how about that weather? Well, bless his soul. You know, somebody says, yeah. Um, Blessed is the man who, will, man who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God. Yeah. I think he's trying to distract Jesus. But Jesus isn't going to be distracted. And the host is thinking, great, here he goes again. And here he goes again. Look at verse 16. Jesus replied to this guy's statement. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come, everything is now ready but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it, please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five oak of yoxen, oxen and I'm on my way to try it out, please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant to go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. There's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. (coughs) Excuse me. So Jesus tells this story again, tells another story. And, you know, sometimes we pick that out. We pick that, uh, that parable out and we talk about those couple verses. But in the context of this whole thing, Jesus is not being subtle here. These people would have understood what Jesus was saying and he, they knew who he was saying it to. They knew that he was talking about them. Um, Jesus is saying, you know, the feast, the banquet, it's going to come through Jesus. It's going to come through me. And all the people that you think would say yes are saying no. And these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, I'm sure they understood what Jesus was saying. All these people that should be saying yes, they're saying no. And the master does a wonderful thing. An odd thing, strange thing, but it's a beautiful thing. Instead of seeking retribution against the people who are telling him no, he expands the guest list. He says, okay, get outside the town, get in the alleys, get everywhere. You invite everybody to come. They said well, we did, there's still room. He said, listen, you go, you go make them come. You compel them to come. Um, I want my banquet hall to be full. I want people sitting at the table. Now, they might not believe it. They might think it's a scam. They might think it's too good to be true. They might not think they're worthy but I want you to go bring people in to my banquet. I want my table to be full. Now, the master is not saying, I want you to go force people to come in. What he's saying is, I want you to go out and I want you to convince people that I want them at my table. I want you to convince people, the blind, the lame, the, the you know the, the marginalized, I want you to convince those people that I see them as worthy. I want you to convince them that they belong. And I want you also to convince them what I'm offering. The seat that I'm offering, the blessing, the gift that I'm going to give. That's what I want you to do. You know, and Jesus uses this meal uh, to teach some, some really important stuff and he uses this meal to, I think, remind us of some really important stuff, and not the least of which is the Master, you know, God, is still sending servants, us, into the world to invite people, all people. God wants you at his table. You are invited to the banquet. You have been chosen. You are worthy. And he's chosen us to invite people, to share with people what has been shared with us, to tell people what life around the table really is like, what life in the kingdom, the blessings that come with that. Now, we all know John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Who does whoever leave out? I can't think of one single person that Jesus didn't die for. And I can't think of one single person that Jesus hasn't invited to the table. I can't think of one single person that God says, you're not worthy. And so, as we wrap up tonight, my my prayer for us and for me is that, that we don't get so selfish And we don't get so inward focused that we begin to ignore and overlook and and, um, even offend the very people that we're supposed to be sitting down next to and the very people that we are supposed to be enjoying the the banquet with. Now, I, I pray that we can love the same way that we've been loved. We love because he first loved us. We love just because he first loved us. Why did God love us? Why did God love me? Just because. Just because he's God. So I hope that encourages a little bit this week. Um, I want to make, I want to have prayer for sure. Um, And I hope that you are... Um, I hope you're spending some extra time in prayer uh, this week. Um, got a lot of things to be praying for. Uh, we Certainly want to be prayerful about uh, what's going on in our nation, um, you know, with the election and the results. Um, you know, however that shakes out, as I mentioned Sunday, um, our citizenship is in heaven. Um, yeah, Elections are important. But I was with my dad today in the hospital, and he said, you know, you get to be my age, start understanding what's really important. I said, don't you want to watch the TV? Don't you want to watch some, you know, electionary stuff? Because he used to love that stuff. He goes, no. get to be my age, you know what's important. Um, But we need to be prayerful. Uh, Just, you know, our nation needs some healing. And and I pray that uh, whoever uh, is leading us will will lead us in that direction. Um, Some other... um, prayer needs. Um, if you're on Vital Concern, and if you're not, call the office. You got to get on Vital Concern. You got to get those uh, daily email updates. But Orlando Henlon uh, was tested uh, tested positive for uh, the COVID virus. In fact, he's uh, a Tampa General today. Uh, so that all seems to have happened pretty quickly. Um, Martha's handed me something. Um, not everybody will see that. Okay, not everybody will see it. Um, oh, Cindy Bradley's having a uh, total we'll knee replacement on November 11th. Cindy is, uh, if you notice on the comments, Cindy's the one that, that none of you uh, from Bay Area know, but she's the one with the really great comments, a good friend of ours from uh, Lipscomb years ago. And she and Martha have sort of reconnected over Alabama football and uh, um, be praying for Cindy's uh, knee replacement uh, coming up. Um, Pat Unger fell and broke her arm last night. So, um, Pat, if you're watching now or later, we're praying for, for, uh, uh, healing there. Um, Jessica Godwin, now Jessica Mitchell is scheduled tomorrow for a C-section unless the baby decides to move just a little bit, but obviously Jessica is really close to giving birth and we're excited about that. And we want to be prayerful for a successful delivery. I mentioned my dad, he's still at Advent, uh, health. Going to be there for another day or two before he goes to rehab. Um, Not exactly sure what's going on there. I've had somebody text me and ask, and I appreciate that. Um, But he's not feeling too good right now. So he and we certainly covered your prayers. Um, Bruce Herman was diagnosed with COVID as well. And so we want to be prayerful for Bruce and for Jamie. And uh, that, uh, that, uh, you know, that get over it and, and it doesn't get serious. Rodney Phillips' brother, uh, diagnosed as well. You now this thing is just very real. Um, uh, Dee Harris having hip replacement surgery, uh, hip, hip replacement in a few days. Wow, did not know that. Um, Dee, We're we'll gonna be praying for you as well, that I, I know you've been in pain for a while and we'll be praying that that goes well and is successful. Um, beulah McHale has asked us to pray specifically for just some job related issues that's going on with her so we'll be prayerful about that um and thanks for putting some of those other things that i might not be aware of in the comments and i hope that you're watching the comments and um you know what a time for prayer uh, so let's go to god in prayer father we are so thankful that uh, we get to read about what jesus had to say about who's worthy. And sometimes we get so confused about our own worth and uh, remind us that we're worthy because of Jesus, not because that we have any kind of uh, gifts or talents or achievements to offer, but we're worthy because Jesus made us worthy. And we belong because uh, you've allowed us to belong. So help us to humbly accept that and would you compel us to tell people uh, that you want them at the table as well help us to be laser focused on people who don't know you and uh, who aren't enjoying the blessings of being sitting around your table father i just mentioned a lot of people that we know and love that um you know all the things going on in the world in our little world this means a lot to us and i pray that you would be with these people all the the people that are suffering with the COVID virus, um, especially and including the people that we know and that we love. Uh, you've answered that prayer already with with several families and several couples who have had uh, the, the virus and now gotten over it and we're praying the same thing for uh, Orlando and Bruce and and Rodney's brother, and, uh, for surgeries that are coming up, for, for Pat and for Dee and for Cindy. I pray that you would bless them. Uh, for Jessica as well, uh, about to give birth. I pray that just those medical procedures just go uh, just the way that uh, that we want them to go and, and that you'd be involved there. Uh, uh, for Harold as well, that you would bless him uh, and give him his strength back. And for Beulah and her work situation, that you would bless her. Uh, continue to be with George uh, with uh, with his uh, uh, situation, his uh, his treatments uh continue to be with david harkins and uh, and father forgive me for maybe missing some people that uh, uh, that we need to be praying for but thank you for knowing and thank you for caring and and again thank you for pulling out a chair and asking us to join you and it's in jesus name that i pray amen hey again thanks a lot for uh for being with us uh week after week um Tonight's a really good night to sign up to be at uh worship service on Sunday. We are uh opened for socially distancing and all that stuff. But we're gonna make room for you. You know, I mentioned it's Sunday. Um, oh man, you know, they're, they're capping it. You know, if we go over the cap, we're gonna figure it out. We're we're not we're not always gonna stay there. We're we've got I called it Plan B Sunday, but it's really it's phase two. So um as soon as you're comfortable. Man, come on back. You'll be blessed. It is so much better to look around and see people in the audience. And uh, again, if you're not comfortable with that, you know you're high risk. We get it. Um, you know, these numbers keep doing this, and it seems like maybe they're doing that now. So uh, <clears throat> we certainly understand that. Um, if you're a, um, if you've got a Faith Lane kid, Angie's doing some really fun stuff tomorrow night. Is let's see what is tomorrow night. It's the um, pajama party story time at 7 o'clock. And tomorrow, November 5th, she's going to be talking about an attitude of gratitude. Um, is there anything you have that maybe you took for granted? And her teaser is she's going to look at a story where someone was 10% of the problem, but 100% of grateful. Hmm, what could that be? So uh, if you got a Faith Lane kid, check out... Um, uh, the website, and I'm not sure it's it on the website, but it's, cards, too it well, is, it's too yeah, great. it is certainly on um, her Facebook page, uh, Bay Area Kids Facebook page for the Zoom ID, the password. Uh, take advantage of that. It's, uh, you'll be blessed. Um, also, um, she's got bingo cards for Sunday. We're doing sermon bingo again. So I'm going to have to work in some really strange words into my sermon Sunday, but that'll be fun. And... Uh, Yeah, keep up with that, she got stuff planned all week. Uh, Robbie's doing fun stuff with the youth group. Um, Ashley and Tyrone. Ashley and Tyrone hosted uh, with the youth group last Sunday night, a uh, singing devotional around a campfire. It was kind of a smoke signal fire. It wasn't burning too good, but nobody cared. It was great. Thanks Ashley and Tyrone for doing that Robbie and Angie for setting it all up and the families and the kids that came. I hope that we can do that uh, on a congregational basis uh, here pretty soon, that things are finally cooling down a little bit. But Robbie's got um, Wednesday homeroom coming up in November on Wednesdays from 4 to 7 before his uh, Wednesday night class, and um, always a lot of stuff going on there. So be sure and check the uh, uh, youth group page as well. Um, told you to get hooked up with Vital Concern. Sign up for worship. Now is the time to do it. We are hoping to um, hoping that you'll do that before lunchtime tomorrow, just so we can make plans and get seating arranged. Um, if you don't get signed up, first- if you don't get signed up, get in touch with Tom Manley. Um, like after midnight's a good time to call. <laughs> That's when I call him. Um, but uh, no, probably probably earlier than that would be better. But uh, or if you you know if if you something happens, you can edit your sign up. Um, but again, don't get hung up on that. Okay. We want you back and, uh, we'll figure it out. Tom's screaming at me right now, but we'll figure it out. I trust, trust me. Um, so yeah, I am rambling, but, uh, hey, Flo, good to see you tonight. Um, uh, and Joe and Daryl and Dave, look at this. I can, I can meet all kinds of people here. Jackie and, uh, Jim, that was a long time ago. Um, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay. I got to get out of here. Good seeing you all. Hope to see you on Sunday.